0: Hey everyone, welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Faith in It with Kay. So, today's uh, Shine a Light on Goodness spotlight um, is going to, let me get my notes, y'all. Madison Wilson. So, ABC News reported that seven year old Maddie Wilson raised thousands to get multicultural crayons and books into classrooms. Um, The article quotes that her mom, Vashti Wilson, said, um, I guess a conversation she'd had with her. She said, Mommy, why don't they show brown people in movies and books? So Madison Wilson decided uh, with her mom to start a crowdfunding because she wanted to do something about it. So her mom helped her start a crowdfunding campaign called Help Fill Maddie's Treasure Box. And through that campaign, um, Madison was able to raise, I think the article says nearly $7,000, which, you know, will provide enough materials for three different schools there in California. So she'll be providing multicultural crayons and books uh, featuring diverse characters into California classrooms there for at least three different schools. So kudos to Maddie and kudos to Maddie's mom there in California Um, for deciding to do something about a problem that they saw um, because representation truly matters. So kudos um, to you, Madison Wilson, for deciding to make a change. uh, And despite being seven years old, you've made a huge change there in California for three different schools. So kudos to you, Madison. So on today, guys, um, I have... Uh, Miss Vanetta Morrison. So um, she's joining us from Germany to have a conversation today. Um, And I'm not even going to tell you what the conversation is about because I want you to listen. So the next thing that you'll hear is uh, that conversation. So stay right there. So today we have Miss Vanetta Vanetta Morrison. Morrison. I wish I could talk. Um, So I'm excited um, because we just met, uh, but we had such an awesome conversation that I thought like she needed to be on here. You guys needed to hear her voice and her perspective. Um, So Vanetta, thank you for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me, KD.
0: (laughs) All right, guys, so we're going to get started with the get to know you. So can you tell us three of your favorite things?
1: Yes. Um, So I would say number one has to be my marriage. I feel like I need to put that in there. Yes. Um, Absolutely enjoying loving that.
0: Yeah.
1: Number two is travel. I absolutely love to travel, and I know we've not been able to do that through COVID, so I'm looking forward to borders being reopened and like the first set of test, test, test yeah. travelers to do their thing before I can take up this hobby again. Yes. And the final one I would say is food. I absolutely love food. Absolutely.
0: I love all your favorite things. Those are good. <laughs> Those are good. They're, they're actually well-rounded. <laughs>
1: Thank you. Um,
0: can you tell us uh, a book you're currently reading?
1: So I'm actually reading How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X Kendi um, because um, I'm about to start hosting a book club as of Sunday, So, um, and what what I've called an anti-racism book club, just in response to obviously everything that's happening in the world at the moment. I think it's important for us to be educated as well as angry. Um, And so therefore, I thought, let's start with the educational piece, because the anger sorts itself out
0: yeah based
1: on what we're seeing
0: yeah oh that sounds good so you know I'm going to ask you more about that later Yeah, (laughs) that sounds really interesting all right um can you tell us your your happy place
1: yes um my happy place I would say is my home really um we Mm. we moved to Germany recently and into a new home so just really enjoying being in it and yeah absolutely love it awesome
0: awesome those are good all right so like, Vanetta, usually, you know, you go on the, like, these different podcasts, or you know, and the, the host introduces who you are to the audience.
1: Yeah. And
0: I'm not a super, like, fan of that. Like, I think that's good. But I think um, I love it when my guests kind of tell our audience who they are, because I feel like you can do it better than I can. So who is Vanetta Morrison? Like, tell our listeners a, lo- a little bit more about you.
1: Yeah, um, so Vanessa Morrison. Um, well, so I'm a Christian um, first and foremost. I think it's important to always kind of put that first, um, as that's how how I live my life.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: I also have recently fallen in love with the term Afropean, mm.
2: which is basically
1: I'm, I'm rooted. Obviously, my roots are in Africa, particularly. Um, West Africa, Sierra Leone, but mm-hmm. I was raised in Europe, so um, Germany, as well as the UK. So I tend, I like to, instead of saying just black, because I feel like that doesn't necessarily say a lot about my heritage, Yeah, um, I like to use the term Afropean.
0: Okay, um, that's good.
1: I would also say I'm kind of an introvert-leaning ambivert, so I do, I do absolutely love people, love hanging around people, but there's kind of an internal timer in my head when I am with people until I can be on my own again (laughs) or until I can go back into my space of, like, quiet and reflection. So, uh, definitely. Um, As of yesterday, because I've had to make some adjustments to to kind of my lifestyle, as of yesterday, I am a part-time entrepreneur and a part-time housewife. Um, So I run, run, um, I'm a certified coach, um, certified counsellor, as well as a, a life and career coach. Um, so I run my business The Blueprint Way. And um, like I said, as of yesterday, I've kind of had to look at doing that more on a part-time basis rather than full-time. And also obviously be a be a homemaker um, the other half of the time. Yeah. I'm also a writer. I've already said I love food um, <laughs> and I love travel. So I think that's, that's pretty much me in a nutshell.
0: That's good, that's good, that's good. Um... Because, like, you know, I think so many things that you said, like, I, I'm, i like, I'm more of an ambivert, but, like, at the same time, like, exactly as you kind of, like, spoke about, like, but more introvert. Yeah. Um, and I do, like, because I can talk a lot. Like, I have an opinion about everything. So mm-hmm. I enjoy those conversations. And I will have them with you all day. And then, yeah. like, I'll need a couple of days to just not talk to you again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so- and I'm completely okay with it. It's like, I will like party that one day and I'm good. It's out of my system and then exactly. I have to like go back and recuperate from all this energy. So yep. I, can, <laughs> I can definitely relate to that. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your journey and like what motivates you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, in terms of my journey, so I'm, as I've kind of alluded to a little bit, I'm German by nationality. Um, and I would probably also say mentality when it comes to kind of like timekeeping, efficiency, being effective, kind of that engineering mindset that Germans yeah. are well known for. Um, it also probably doesn't help that both of my parents um, trained to be engineers. So, uh, yeah, that's oh, very wow. much the German side of me coming out. Um, and like I said, I'm originally from Sierra Leone um, and have also done kind of my further education college slash university in the UK Um, and that those experiences have very much added to my journey. I've I've always felt um, connected to a mix of people across ethnicities, across you know skin colors, across religions as well, across um, socioeconomic status. I've always felt kind of very drawn to to people in general Mm -hmm. Um, and and I've always been very motivated to see people kind of come to receive a full understanding of their purpose, of their identity, of their value in Christ, um, but also of their kind of moving into their, fulfilling their purpose. So um, my background is in psychology. That's what I studied at, at, at university. Um, and that kind of, again, going down that route has always been about helping people understand Blockers to their success, yeah. Um, be they internal, so if we're looking at self doubt or trauma, anxiety, depression, or external, if we're talking about kind of relational, um, conflicts, communication, um, things like that. So that's my journey has always been about how can I help people to the best of their abilities. You know, I, 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 when I was younger, I thought, you know, I wanted to be a doctor because that 's kind of the first profession that I encountered that yeah. that would seem to selflessly help people um, and then I realized pretty soon throughout throughout the years that actually doctors don 't get to spend as much quality time with people yeah. as I'd like to um, and nurses work hard yes. <laughs> works yes. hard. Uh, and so, so I have a, I have a chronic illness. Um, I've got, I have sickle cell anemia, and so it was always kind of for me, it was out of the question to be a nurse, even though they might have more of the quality communication with people. But it was, it was just the physical, physical that I knew I wasn't going to be able to do. So I, that's how I kind of ended up in my niche of psychology because I was pursuing what profession I could help people with feel better. Wow,
0: that's really awesome. That's really awesome. Like, And I love that, like, your driving force was, you know, helping people, like, so the jobs that you were looking at and you were trying to secure was a way to help people um, in an ability that you had, so, or you have. So, like, I I think that's amazing that (laughs) that was something that drove you, because, you know, for a lot of, for a lot of people, it is the drive of money. So what career can I go into? that's going to make me money um, yeah. and it might be thinking about the impact of on people later, but for the mm-hmm. most part, the drive is money. So I love that yeah. your drive was, you know, what can I do that's going to help people and and like really, like really help people and give you that quality time that you needed to kind of like help people um, cultivate what, whatever God's placed in them. So I think that's awesome. I commend you. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. So can you tell us a little bit about your relationship with Christ and how it's impacted your life? So maybe Vanetta, I don't know, have you always been in a relationship with Christ? So who were you before um, you came into full relationship with Christ and who are you now? Like, what is that impact like? Like, where do you see the difference?
1: Yeah. So I was raised in a Christian household. My family members, as far as I could remember back, were all Christians, um, but I went to and I went to a Christian primary school and I remember in one of the um, religious studies lessons um, where our teacher was telling about, us about salvation. Because I think up until that time, I kind of just thought I'd inherited the faith. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I didn't have a problem with it. I wasn't really <laughs> questioning it. I was just like, OK, this is it. And so I was I remember I was 11 um, then. And yeah, so the so our teacher was telling us about salvation and I was like, OK, I don't think I've done this before um so I guess I can't just inherit Christianity it needs to be something <laughs> I decide for myself and I remember the reason why it sticks out so much in my mind is because when I went home and spoke to my mum about it and I was saying you know I want to say the of prayer I want to become a Christian I remember that was maybe the last thing I said before I was supposed to go to bed yeah um, so part of it was me trying to extend my bedtime but <laughs> of how serious my mum took it I was like okay something important is happening here um, you know, in the sense of you know she was more than willing to, to 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 kind of walk me through that, um so that was at eleven, and then at sixteen, I got baptized, but again it wasn 't for me it was more of a oh i didn 't realize this was something that I should or c- can be doing within my faith it was actually um and here comes the the very logical thinking into it so my little brother who's a year and a half younger than I am he wanted to get baptized so he clearly obviously had an encounter with Christ wanted to get baptized and I just thought well it's just the two of us (laughs) to save our parents because I knew they were going to do a a massive party for him yeah I was like save our parents having to do two parties where we're inviting the same people (laughs) I might as well get baptized as well you know, what it, yeah. it was—it was very much like my my thinking was very much like I. It's almost like an arranged marriage, <laughs> but in a like at sixteen, I just thought to myself, well, if I see my my relationship with Christ like a marriage, yeah. I already know I don't want to. I don't want to spend the rest of my life without him, so I might as well. Do yeah, this. it was all very much. I might as well. It seems logical. There wasn't really a lot of um, kind of. Uh, I mean. There was conviction, but I guess there wasn't the emotional high that you normally kind of associate with conversion and, you know, intimacy with Christ and yeah. things like that. Yeah. So it wasn't until I was 20 when I went to university in the UK um, and, I, and I started attending this church where the pastor was very clear in talking about spiritual authority and identity in Christ and intimacy um, with Christ that I fully had a proper understanding of you know, all the things that I'd kind of said at 16, but didn't fully understand. Um, And I feel like that's when I I would say my spiritual relationship truly came alive. And I didn't just, I wasn't just a bystander in my faith or a passenger in my faith, but I was actively pursuing to develop my faith and deepen my faith, learning about, you know, the fruit of the spirit, learning about spiritual gifts, learning about, you know, using the gifts to, to, um, edify the body, yeah. um, actually being engaged more so in, in, in ministry. So I was working as the PA to, to my pastor and then eventually uh, went on to be um, the youth and young adult director of the, of, of, of the church. Wow. Um, but yeah, so I, I would say in terms of from where my faith started off, it was very much a, this makes sense. Uh, it's a tick box. Yeah. Let's do this yeah. to actually I have a living faith. Uh, you know, yeah. I, God is directing my life. When 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 He when I say I walk by faith and not by sight, that's what I'm I'm meaning. That's what I'm trying to do on a daily basis. It's not just you know uh, a part of my uh, like a very latent part of my identity. It's a very active part.
0: Yeah. Wow. See, that's good. That's good because like I think it's important that you kind of said that because like I'm sure it resonates with a lot of people. Um, I like I remember like in like when I was very young in Jamaica like going to church Mm -hmm. and like moving here and I don't think we went to church as well as um as often for a long time yeah and it wasn't until like about high school um like we would go to like uh like vacation by the school and stuff, school yeah. and stuff like that. But like, it wasn't until I was like six, like around 15, 16, that like, I actually, um, became a part of a church that like God made sense. Yeah. So, like it was, you know, I think for a lot of like, I I'm very analytical and like practical. Mm-hmm. So like, I need things to be practical. Yes. Um, I don't want the elusive, uh, Like, I can deal in the spiritual, of course, but I don't want the elusiveness of Christ. And I think for a long time, that's what, like, pastors preach. They preach Mm -hmm. the Bible, but it wasn't like, okay, so how does the Bible help me now? Like, how does it help me to navigate the life that I'm living right now? And the thoughts that I'm like, what do I do with the Bible? Like, once I know it, (laughs) what do I do with it? Like, where does Uh the living it out start? Um, Exactly. And it wasn't until I was in high school that I actually, like, became a part of a church that was like that made it practical like the pastor made it very very practical like yeah. and i was like and i could see like i i could read the word like still like to this day King James versions is still like my favorite version like a lot of people are like i don't understand that but for me i'm like i remember like being in high school and like reading the bible like back in front like this is amazing. Like, yeah. I saw yeah. the drama. Like, I was like, "This is like watching TV." Like, it's like yeah. you had to like paint your own picture. But I'm like, you know, when people are like the Bible is boring, I'm like, you haven't read about it. Like, exactly. you know, did you read where God told like the prophet to go marry a prostitute and he had to keep yeah. going back? At, like, and I was just like, <laughs> you know, like just the way and the the stories that God used to kind of like talk about His love for us and yeah. like how we we constantly stray um yeah but he his love is always like they're calling for us always they're trying to protect us always they're coming for us and i was just like it wasn't until high school that i'm like okay and i'm like i i'm still walking out that relationship but it wasn't until then that like i i learned what it meant to be in relationships so i think you know what you explained like it's very common yeah and sometimes like we do we might not say it but we do think we inherit christ
1: exactly Um, because
0: our our parents our parents uh loved christ or whoever it was like a guardian loved christ and you know Mm -hmm. they made us go to church so it's like i'm christian like exactly (laughs) i'm christian i i I used to go to church like you know yeah that's what i did that's what we did we went every sunday we heard the word and you know i know the word sometimes it's like it's not just that you went to church but you actually know the word Um, exactly but it, it, it takes like that like you said that conviction that 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 personal, like, relationship to kind of, like, be like, okay, I need to know him for me, um, and I need to walk this out for me, not because of anyone else, or not because my parents love Christ, not because Christ walks with my parents, but, like, that personal knowing that he walks with you, he walks with me. So, I think, like, that was, like, really good, that was a really good point, because it's it's so true, we don't ever put it that way, (laughs) but we do sometimes believe like we inherit christ um and because you know we always went to church
1: yeah exactly
0: and we just were automatically saved um and that's not the case so thank you for sharing that
1: a pleasure an absolute pleasure
0: so you know like of course i love hearing about your relationship with christ um and in our earlier chat like you talked about kind of like um working I think it was like college admission college admissions
1: yeah, um, department
0: yeah. and now to own your own business can you talk a little bit about like that transition from working for someone else to that decision to um start your starting your own business like how did you get yeah. started like how did you even know like okay well this job right here though I might love it or enjoy it or whatever it may be mm-hmm. um I need to do something else I need to make that transition
1: yeah Okay, so in t- it 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 has to do with with faith in a way because the reason why um, so when I finished university and so I st- like I studied psychology and I studied health studies. So in my mind, initially when I started university, I thought, okay, my idea is to work towards um, becoming some like something like a um, health administrator, and then hopefully one day work for the UN or something like that. Okay. In the final year of university that's when i realized hold on actually i don't want to do the program management as such i want to work with individuals so that's when i decided actually i want to be a counselor but i was so tired after my studies that i didn't want to go into something else immediately after um and at the same time i had grown so fond of the church and of the teachings that i was receiving that i wanted to stay in the city yeah, uh, because actually initially i'd planned to move to america after i finished my my um undergraduate studies um because my mom was already there wow. um or oh, well, my mom was working towards going to america so i thought what well, by the time i finish i'll, I'll go to america and then I, I was like ah i need to stay in this church <laughs> god is god is doing something in my life that has never been done before that yeah. i need to i need to figure this out so i kind of just took on any job that was available at the time and that would allow me to stay in Leicester to pay my bills and and all of that type of stuff and so it happened to be within the university admissions department Um, and I enjoyed the job it was very um, in the beginning I enjoyed the job because again like I said I love efficiency I love order and all of these things were part of the job um, but over the years, I just realized, OK, I need to start making this shift towards counselling. And the reason why I delayed it is because it was like I'd have to study another degree um, to, to to get to where I needed to, because the, the unique things that you learn to become a, a counsellor or a therapist in the UK weren't necessarily things that I was learning in my psychology classes. Um, so I had to kind of do another degree. So that's why I would kind of delayed it and put it off and spent much more time within church uh, ministry, much more time within climbing the ranks within the admissions department so be, until I became a manager of, of a team and, um, and then finally did my, did my counselling. Um, and so I finished my counselling um, in terms of that because you, you have the theory and then you also have the practical part because yeah. obviously you need to that you've done therapy sessions with your clients before you actually go out and do it on your own. So I finished the, the, that part in October, 2019 um, and all throughout. So I was working full time and studying part time and doing the placement part time. And wow. up until, yeah, until I started, when I started the the final stretch of the counseling course, I stepped down from ministry because it was just becoming a bit too much. Um, but yeah, so I was doing all of that all along, knowing that, you know, I wanted to go into counseling yeah. and, And the admissions world was becoming less and less about people and more and more about numbers because Mm. that's just how university life is. Universities are also their own type of businesses where they need to meet the bottom line. And so, therefore, we're no longer looking at individual students. We're looking at numbers. Um, And I was kind of beginning to distance myself from that. It was very clear that I needed to transition um I was getting quite ill particularly last year I was getting really ill within my work environment as well because of just the stress of um the focus not being on people. Yeah. A lot of changes were being implemented A new IT system that really probably shouldn't have been implemented, was being forced to be implemented and um, at the peril of people's health and well-being. And it, it just came to a point where I was just like, okay, I can't really do this anymore. Yeah. Um, and then, as I said, my, I finished my, my actual qualifications in October 2019. And, and that was exactly the same time in which my husband... Um, was offered an incredible job opportunity here in Germany,
2: yeah.
1: um, which is what then made us move to Germany. And so I just thought, right, well, I had to quit my job anyway, which I, at that point I was very happy to do. <laughs> <laughs> I felt no way about that. Um, but, yeah, so it was very clear in a way that the Lord was kind of clearing the way for me to now start with the business.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but it, 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 is, it has been quite a scary journey in the sense that I've only ever been an employee. I don't really know that much about being an entrepreneur um you know for me again it's always about order it's about you know um structures it's about discipline and so being an entrepreneur and having to create that all for myself has been overwhelming it was it was very overwhelming to begin with to be honest yeah
0: wow wow so like what are you working on now then too like so having to create those structures like what are you what are you doing to kind of help you with creating the structure have you found something that's kind of helping you with creating the structure or dealing with the stress of that structure or just like educating yourself like you know cuz like i commend you for starting cuz sometimes like you know mm-hmm. we let the overwhelming feeling of like all those things that you're experiencing experiencing right now stop mm-hmm. us from actually starting so i commend yeah. you for not letting it stop you um, and just actually starting um, and while you 're in it now like what what things are you doing to kind of like help with that overwhelming feeling or to um, create those structures like I hope that 's clear yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, so in terms of creating the structures. It was kind of reminding myself of what I was doing in my full time job. I, I feel like in the beginning of being an entrepreneur, because I was so much unlearning how to be an entre- um, how to be an um, employee mm-hmm. and learning how to be an entrepreneur. I also kind of let go of the crucial things that made me a great employee and made and particularly made me a great manager. Yeah. So I was already in a leadership position, yeah. even though I employee so it was looking at actually what are the things that i am good at and and um how can i transition them into my life as an entrepreneur so things like actually managing my time in a way that makes me more productive you know putting structures in place of communicating even though i don't have a team yet yeah you know still putting structures in place of communicating vision and communicating strategy to make sure that the business is robust and then obviously also having the training so that's definitely been such a such a useful um investment of time and of money to to get business coaching through you know big idea food yeah uh, because it's given me some of the structure that I would have lacked if I'd tried to do it on my own wow
0: so like I love that I love that you know in a sense you gave us like you know two kind of like takeaways of. You know, not forgetting those things that we did in our in our uh, full time jobs and we worked with yeah. someone else. But part of entrepreneurship is taking those things that we've learned and then bringing yeah. it into our own businesses and making it work for us now. Yes. So I love that you said that, and I love that you said like also reaching out for help uh, mm-hmm. in a different way. So like like you said, big idea food tribe, like joining yeah. something like that that's gonna help you kind of like. Uh, get the counseling and the the community that you need to kind of build in That's those it. areas that you may not be as strong. So, exactly, I love that. Like I love that, and you know, I hope for the listeners that like those who are listening, um, who are ready to start their business or thinking about starting the business, that they'll be able to take that too. That it's like it's okay to do it afraid, um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and once you start doing it afraid. <laughs> It's like, take, don't forget all the things that you've learned when you've worked for someone. Take the things that were working for you when you were in your other jobs and make them work for your company. Like now it's time to take those experiences um, because I think sometimes like we think we're on our job just to make money Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's it. And it's like, like you're there to make money, yes. Um, Mm -hmm. And also like for your own personal gain, like it's nice, it's very good when you, when you feel fulfilled, like in, whatever purpose your job serves within the people that you serve. But like, it's also good to kind of take, okay, you're there. You should be getting experience in Mm -hmm. in a way that the job can't pay you. If that makes any sense, like, like you should be getting experience. So it's more than just a check. Like what things, especially like, I know for me, like right now, I'm like, I can't wait (laughs) for the day that I'm able to be like, um, I enjoy my job. Like, don't get me wrong. I enjoy Mm -hmm. my job um because it's right up my alley with how it meets the needs of people and the youth and like advocating like it's it's right up my alley um but I look forward to the day like I've always been that person that I'm like I knew from I was very young that I wanted to own my own business yeah so like and I've I've had like a lot of jobs <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and it's just like okay god those were all for a reason so what experiences and like each job that I go to like he's proven why I was there for that that for those other jobs it's like I could take bits and pieces of the experience that I've learned and gained um at yeah. those jobs so I'm like I can't wait for that day um even as I'm building like my own thing now to kind of be able to fully put those things into practice for myself so yeah. I think those are like really good takeaways that you've given us. Um, So what are, you may have already answered like a little bit or alluded to this, but what are some hurdles that you've had or are overcoming in your business?
1: Um, I think I'd probably say the one that I haven't mentioned is feeling like a fraud. Um, Mm. (laughs) um, Imposter syndrome is real. It's, It's real. And, um, I've 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 had to deal with it, particularly at the beginning. Like I said, all my life, all I'd been was an employee, and I was I was great at being an employee, but being an entrepreneur was a whole different ball game. And so you'd have I'd have loads of um, thoughts of self doubt kind of creeping in as Am I good enough? Can I do this? Yeah. Uh, can I can I actually counsel someone? Meanwhile, I've obviously done over hundred plus hours of of counselling training. Yeah, uh, two and a half years, but I'm still doubting myself. Yeah, you know. Can I- can I coach someone? Am I really am I really worth charging others for, for um my services? All those kind of things that came into my head. And it's interesting because um, I actually wrote I actually wrote an e-book about overcoming imposter syndrome. Awesome. Um, yeah, because I just thought, you know what, this is something that I've dealt with and I can definitely speak to. So I don't feel like a fraud talking about how to feel like a fraud. Yeah. How, how I feel like a fraud. Um, and and I just felt like actually, especially in the in the positions that I have as a counselor and as a coach, these are things that a lot of people go through. And these are things that I want to help people overcome. So it's a free ebook, which um, is available on my website, blueprintway.com. Um, and it just gives people like a five-step, really yeah. easy to remember guide as to how to tackle imposter syndrome. And these are things that I've had to go through myself and kind of, um, come out the other way um, but yeah whilst I was doing kind of my, my research into more, more into imposter syndrome finding out that actually we can't necessarily banish it for the rest of our lives it's, it's not it's not something that we can do one thing and 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 then that's it forever we never yeah. doubt ourselves again um, but it's more so um, not letting an imposter moment become an imposter life that's mm-hmm. what what it's about
0: that's good that's really yeah. good so we'll make sure that we put um your your website in the show notes for people to go ahead and get that. Cause like I think that's really good. Thank you. Um and it is something that keeps us from starting. Yeah. <laughs> it keeps it us um in a place where we undervalue ourselves and like our worth and like the product or service that we're putting out there. Um so I think that's really good that you're kind of tackling that because It's definitely real (laughs) It's definitely real like, and depending on what rooms you're walking into, um, if you're the youngest, uh, the only black one, the only female, like (laughs) those things almost sometimes amplify it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. When you walk into the room and you you don't quite measure up to whether it's the age or the color or or whatever it may be, or the education level of the room. Mm we do tend to um, feel like we don't belong or we're imposters in those rooms, even though what we have to say is valuable um, yeah. and valuable enough to where we were invited to the room. Um, so like, I think that's, that's awesome that you've written that. So we'll make sure that we put your website in the show notes for people to go ahead and go to your website and get that. Cause that's going to be important. <laughs> As God kind of like elevates you in your business or even on your job, because it is something that you can feel on your job as well as you get elevated uh, within your job. Because like, you know, everyone's not going to be an entrepreneur. And yeah, I don't think everyone should be um, an entrepreneur. But you like wherever you work, you should be striving for more. I do believe that. Um, And like you should be striving for more. But everyone is not meant to be an entrepreneur. And I know we talk about it a lot. But if we, 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 we we're not all meant to be entrepreneurs. So it is a conversation with God about who you are and what you are meant to do. Um, Mm -hmm. And sometimes it is working for someone, but it is working for someone in a space where um, there is, your needs are being met and you're able to walk out whatever vision God has placed on your life. Um, Mm -hmm. So At the very basic, those things should be met. So, like, we can see imposter imposter syndrome uh, within a workplace um, as you get elevated um, when you're working in a company that, like, your gift is literally making room for you. So, (laughs) So, like, I think that's really good that you brought that up. Um, And, you know, like, I didn't even actually have it because I sent you some questions. But as you mentioned earlier, like, we're going to, like, shift a little bit. But as you mentioned earlier, about sickle cell anemia, and um, so I'm like, I've heard of it, um, mm-hmm. and I don't know, like I think sometimes we're we're not all very like well versed on just all these different diseases that are happening like yeah. uh, are out there, you know. <laughs> so yeah, you know, if you don't mind telling us a little bit more about it, and then also too, like, um, we're also in the we're still in the midst of a pandemic, so there's like, well, there's there's a pandemic <laughs> as it is as you might say with racism and then there's yeah. like the health pandemic um yeah. and like even within the health pandemic itself like I know here in America I'm not sure if it, if it's the uh, same truth where there in Germany or in the UK um where it's not necessarily that more and more black people or people of color are getting this um mm-hmm. getting covid but we are dying at a yeah. faster more alarming rate um, and, you know, which has triggered a conversation here in the U.S. Um, about the health disparities because yeah. of racial um, biases. So, yeah. I don't know if you can tell us a little bit about, like, you know, sickle cell anemia and then also, too, like, how is this kind of a- affecting you and, like, what kind of precautions do you have to take um, even, like, in the midst of this pandemic going on? Yeah,
1: um yeah absolutely. So sickle cell is um sickle cell anemia is a um uh, blood disorder and I, and I've heard it announced as a multi-system disease which I think is it's a fair it's a fair description in the sense that sickle cell anemia can affect ev- every part of your body and mm. multiple parts of your body at the same time. Mm. In an, in a nutshell basically people's um so red healthy red blood cells tend to be kind of round and so when they meet in the, in the veins, they tend to bounce off each other. When they meet in the blood vessels, the, the, the round ones tend to bounce off each other. Whereas sickle cells, as the name says, are sickle-shaped. Mm. Uh, which means that when they meet in, in, in um, blood vessels, particularly in blood vessels that are um, quite, um, what's the word? If they're quite small, quite um, oh, now- they don't bounce. Have- yeah, exactly, narrow, that's, that's the word. I don't know why I was just thinking of the German word. When they're narrow, when the blood vessels are really narrow, it means that those sickle-shaped cells, instead of bouncing off each other, they clump together, which then means that they see there's an obstruction to blood flow. Mm. And this can happen in any part of the body that blood is flowing to, which is obviously pretty much almost every part of the body so if when that happens when this obstruction happens um it usually it means that there's an it, it deprives oxygen of that particular part of the body oh wow and that deprivation of oxygen then causes great pain um which is also known as um pain crises um and so like I said these can happen anywhere in the body so Um, sickle cell can actually cause stroke it can cause you know heart heart attacks it can cause um embolisms it's it literally is just depending on where in the body it is and deprives oxygen that whole region around that area is then affected um wow yeah so that's maybe probably the nutshell of it um the anemia part obviously then means also that you then have um low levels of 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 blood cells anyway healthy red blood cells anyway which then means obviously you you tend to get tired sooner your hemoglobin levels are are lower than they should be um and you're more yeah you're, it, it just means that your immune system isn't as as um strong as it could be and as it should be yeah uh, so therefore covid or any other kind of infectious diseases crisis pandemic epidemic whatever yeah um Makes, makes us, we're much more prone to having complications if we do catch it. Yeah. And then we're also yeah. much more prone to catch it because our immune system is already not as, as it should be. Um, and so in the UK, if I'd been in the UK, I would have been among the population that was um, told to go into shielding. So that's the term where, where people actually were, were said to stay in their houses for three months with not really any contact to so anyone from the outside, mm. just to protect them from that. Um, from the illness, because that's part of being in the vulnerable category. Um, and it's funny because I even now still receive phone calls from the NHS, the National Health Service in the UK, asking me if I'm OK. Wow. Um, even though I've, I've said multiple times, <laughs> I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I don't live in the UK anymore. You can <laughs> give my phone call to somebody else. You know? um, but because I'm on that list of vulnerable conditions and vulnerable people, that is um, something that they check in on. Wow. Us being in Germany has made it, um, I mean, it's been the same. My my husband had stopped working from his office since March. um, And obviously I've worked from home anyway, um, because I do my counseling and coaching um, online. Um, So we've just kind of kept ourselves away from people just to ensure that we're not even anywhere um, able to catch um, COVID myself or for him either, because it affects me on a different level. Yeah. because I'm already struggling with underlying uh, health conditions and my maybe lungs are already not at the, at the, at the capacity that they should be. Yeah. COVID being a very um, a respiratory illness could, could have had really serious consequences for me.
0: Wow. 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 Yeah. Like I think too, like, I think like, if, like when you said that the UK is giving you a call as well, like I'm like, I don't know that the u s government did anything like that, right? that. <laughs>
2: yeah. but
0: like I think that's like also like amazing, like you know, in just how in you know, like I don't know how the difference in systems uh, mm. here and and there because it's just like that I don't know what everything else is like there, but that just seems like just a certain level of care for the people like mm. where here it's been more care for the economy <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. and it's like well yeah we care about you too but it's like you know I it seems almost like more of a, like an underlying care for the economy and if people are mm-hmm. sick then the economy is going to suffer so
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, and not necessarily that like we care about people um, mm-hmm. let the economy suffer because we need the people to live yeah um, it's more of like we need the economy open and we needed people to live to work. So
1: they exactly. to be close. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I, would, I would probably say that the UK isn't more necessarily, isn't necessarily m- much more um, caring of its population. Mm. It's just because of how the healthcare system has been set up. Obviously, we have kind of like that welfare healthcare system where everybody has access to it. Oh, but wow. it's it's meant that you've had to have loads of people volunteer to make those phone calls. So the people that have been calling me are volunteers. They're wow. not they, they weren't they're not doctors or nurses or, or administrators working in hospitals already. These are people. I think um it was eleven thousand or something. Wow. Um volunteers that came forward to so it wasn't just phone calls. So for some people who are most vulnerable, they were also doing shopping. Oh, their food wow. shopping so that they didn't have to go out. Yeah.
0: Oh wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Wow. But it
1: can be argued that the UK is not necessarily more caring of its population based on how they maybe responded a bit too late to the pandemic. Mm. Mm. Because they were obviously not wanting to shut 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 down schools and shut down workplaces and all of those kind of things. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I, I like I'm like I'm not sure of too many places that so that was definitely that's the thing that Echo, no matter where you were, like the mm. government did not want to shut down um, yep. because of it. But, like, I will say that you know, it is there all over the world. Like, I think what made the difference definitely are the people, yeah, the, like unification of the, the people, um, yes. Who like in coming together, like you said, there to kind of like make sure to make those phone calls, and then also to like do shopping, or you know, for those who still had to work, so the grocery stores being open, and um, nurses and doctors and <laughs> uh, fire departments and EMTs, like you know, literally yeah. those in like childcare, so like all the different places that still had to remain open and the people that had to work within those places, so. Um, yeah. I think it, it was it was definitely an amazing show of like just community um among people. Yeah. Um and of course, like we're glad to hear like you're doing well and that um you're able to of course like I don't know like what is what the story is there, but here with our economies being or our countries or our states or states being open, I should say. <laughs> um or just the country itself opening uh, spikes, there have been spikes in um, um, in cases. And uh, I think it's almost like a second week <laughs> of the pandemic yeah. that are kind of like lining up. So I don't know, um, like what, like, is it like kind of the same story there or are cases steady or decreasing? Like, what are you kind of like seeing um, there?
1: Um, so Germany, I think it's becoming a more complex picture because in the beginning, Germany, because they tested quite a lot, our caseload seemed to be quite major in comparison to the UK, for example, even. Yeah. And, and at some point also even the US. But, um, but then it kind of um, leveled off. And um, even though we had growing cases, the death rate was ridiculously low in comparison to Pretty much all other European countries. Wow. Um, because of, I guess, the quality of care that's provided, and, and so much research is going into why different countries have um, experienced COVID in different ways. Yeah. And they've been, they've been, you know, there's some research has suggested it's based on the number of nurses to a patient, oh. and that nurses right. actually play a vital role in the in the type of care that they provide. You know, and that and because Germany has potentially a a bit of a higher count of nurses to people ratio to patients ratio, that might be one of the reasons. But obviously we're also looking at age disparities in different countries like Italians tend to live longer. Hence why obviously they had quite a a really severe death rate um, because a lot of the patients were older than, you know, maybe other countries. Um, But right now, so Germany was doing really well to begin with. Um, And, and, you know, we had loads of our family and friends just calling us and thanking God for the fact that we got to move to Germany (laughs) um, before the situation happened so that both of us are, you know, doing well and are safe. But um, now there seems to be a second wave in a very local specific. It's, it's, it's based on um, kind of a meat factory mm-hmm. um, where there were um, um, a lot of workers, particularly from Eastern European background who have been infected. But because of the conditions in the factory, again, it's looking at how do we treat people? How do we value people? You know, whether they are... Um, you know, be in the country or whether they're immigrants or whatever, you know, based on the conditions within the factory, it seems like that has caused it to pretty much spread um, in a new wave where there's, I think, 1,500 cases plus just just connected to one factory. Wow. uh, Where schools have had to shut down again, workplaces have had to shut down again in that area. Um, So, yeah, I think Germany's is... um, being very mindful of how it's responding because there's other parts of the country that obviously is opening up again. Yeah. Um, the whole, um, Europe pretty much is open except for to the UK, um, um, which is, I guess, partly because of the Brexit vote, but also partly because the UK hasn't had as much of a decrease in c- cases as other as other European countries. Wow. Um, but I think every, and so Germany is similar in the US in the sense that we have a, um, a federal government, but we also have a, um, what's the, what's the other, the other, the state level, on the state level, oh, the state okay, level. Yeah. we have, we have 16 States within Germany oh. and technically all those States have their own jurisdiction. So even though we have a chancellor all, over the whole country, every state has its jurisdiction. So all the States have slightly different regulations similar to the U S
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's what kind of like has been making a difference is that, it it is like a state by state basis. So every state kind of like are making their own decisions Mm -hmm. of how they want to move forward and how they want to open and operate. Um, And it's sad because it's like, you can't, (laughs) I think, I think people have also proven that you can't trust people. (laughs) And like uh, so much of like opening and like operating depends. And on us wearing our masks and staying away from mm-hmm. each other. And um, I'm going to be like, I wear my mask, but even at work, like we're so, we're so close knit that yeah. we're not all like, we're talking to each other and, like, we're, and it's like, okay. Like, that's why I'm like, okay, for church. I'm like, I don't, until this is over, I don't plan on going into a church building because mm-hmm. I already recognize, like, um, you know, I was talking to a friend. I'm like, I don't. I don't go to church to hear the word. Mm. And people are like, oh, what? I'm like, I can get the word anywhere.
1: Exactly. <laughs> um, exactly. I go
0: to church for the community. I go to church mm. um, for the hugs that you get, for the mm-hmm. you know the long conversations after church. Like, I do. I really do. I go for the social aspect of it. To like when it says when the Bible says fellowship, don't forsake fellowshiping with one another. I go for the fellowship. Yeah. Um, and like that strength that comes from like hearing a testimony or hearing that God did this for a certain person, and, you know, recognizing that God's working, even if like sometimes we are like, oh, well, he's not working over here, but recognizing that he's in the midst. Um, yeah. So I go to church for that. And I'm like, well, if I can't do that, then I don't want to go to church, <laughs> like going to yeah. church building. Um, yeah. I can yeah. hear the word anywhere. Um, mm-hmm. but I do, I go for the fellowship because I, like, there's a certain strength that I get from the fellowship, um, of the testimonies that are shared and, um, the hugs that you receive, uh, the smiles, like, you know, all those things matter. So I'm like, like, who are we fooling? We're going to go to church with our mask on and stay away from each other. Like, mm. <laughs> it's almost like it's instinctual to like, even like at my job, like, you know, like they're. Couple of coworkers, like like our normal routine is to hug each other when we see each other. Good morning, and we give each other a hug. So now yeah. like, we have to like, constantly, oh, 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 uh, elbow, touch elbows. Exactly,
2: <laughs> and, so awkward.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, it, you know, like I think too, it's like, it, sure there are people that are, um, that are purposely doing these things, but I, I know like when this first started, I walked all the way into a grocery store, I forgot all about the mask. And I'm like, no one said anything. And maybe they yeah. thought like I would get mad or whatever, but I didn't do it on purpose. Like I put it in my little fanny pack because I don't wear it. I don't wear it in my car. I only wear it when I have to, like within those public settings. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I forgot to take it out and put it on. So I, And I walked all the way to the end of the grocery store before I realized, oh you my gosh, your... I didn't put my mask on. And I'm like, well, why did not anyone say anything to me? <laughs>
1: Yeah. You know, like, I
0: wouldn't have gotten mad or anything like that. Like it wasn't and and, you know, for some people it probably looked like I was obnoxious. <laughs> you
2: mm-hmm. know, like I
0: refused to. I, I really just forgot. And like mm-hmm. because it's not normal, even though it's like our new normal. I don't go out yeah. a lot, like because I I don't I can't breathe very well in them. Mm-hmm. So I don't go out a lot because I have to wear a mask. I'm like, I'd rather just stay home and breathe really.
1: <laughs> exactly this is it. so even, yeah it's such a you you have to get used to wearing a mask if that's not something that's yeah. part of your normal day, normal life normally
0: yeah so it is it's, it is is quite difficult like you know and you know I I try my best to not pass judgment when like you know you do see somebody without a mask or you know when you hug because like it's just like sometimes like this wasn't our norm. So there's a certain level of grace that we have to have for each other. And it's like, yeah, yes, if you say something that person's obnoxious, then it's like, okay, um, I'm not gonna lie, I'm gonna judge you. <laughs> but like, you say something like, oh my gosh, like, I, you know, I'm sorry, like, you know, we do like initially, we need to have a certain level of grace for the people that we encounter, because it's not, it's not normal, it's becoming normal, but it's not yeah. normal um yeah. to people who sometimes are used to like that closeness or that community. Yeah. So um and I'd be remiss. So I'm gonna like get because I know we're nearing the end. Um mm-hmm. I do want to ask you a little bit about um like being there uh, in Germany and kind mm-hmm. of like watching what's happening here the in the United States um as it pertains to like what happened to Ahmad, Brianna and oh, my gosh, like,
1: <laughs> so many, so many so others, many.
0: like, I really can't keep up, because, like, and I, I get on Facebook, and I'm like, oh, it's somebody else, or it's something else, and just, yeah, it, it's overwhelming, um, Yeah, so I don't know, like, you know, like, can you speak on, like, what it's like to be there, like, kind of seeing what's happening, and is it mm-hmm. happening there, like, like, what is your experience as it pertains to, like, just racism in america is is yeah. there racism there in germany do, do you have experiences with that like yeah <laughs> just this whole pandemic if you may of racism like yeah that's just yeah. overtaking us
1: <laughs> absolutely um yeah i think racism is really everywhere unfortunately because it's a it's a it's a human problem to some extent to to classify some people as superior to others, yeah. um, particularly based to the colour of their skin or their ethnic background. Um, the way racism is expressed, I guess, is different mm. um, in Germany, also very different to the UK, and then obviously much more different to to the States. It's been a really weird experience for us here in Germany, and I know I touched on that in our in our previous conversation, in that, that I feel quite um out like isolated Um, and it's not because of the covid pandemic it's because you know now and fair enough we live pretty much in a village there's like 500 people here we're the only black people in our street um uh, so so it's and and that is what i got that's what i was used to growing up in germany Um, where, you know, my brother and I used to be the only black kids in our schools and all of those kind of things. But I guess having had more of a multicultural experience in the UK, having lived in the UK for 12 years, it's been, it's been quite hard to kind of deal with the whole, um, intensity of racial trauma re-triggered by the George Floyd incident, Mm. um, and not feeling like we have a community physically around us, um. And, and I've not necessarily been much in the loop about things going on in Germany because Germany, as we know, has had a very complicated history um, and, and Germans have tried really hard to um, kind of go distance themselves from that history of, you know, um, um, anti-Semitism yeah. and Holocaust and all of that, all the world wars and all that type of stuff. They've tried to distance themselves, distance themselves quite a lot. And even when it comes to things like immigration, Germany tends to be much more uh, gentle towards that topic because of their complicated history. Yeah. However, it then means that some people are even more so sensitive and offended by the fact that you could even suggest that Germany is racist or has racist structures but yeah. as we know racism is is structural yeah you know racism is generational yeah. so just because a generation has tried to to change things when it comes to anti-semitism and when it comes to xenophobia doesn't mean that it's gone into the roots of the German society and yeah. gone into the root of the German culture and I think Germans Germans are very much in terms of the, the response that I've seen so far, there's been a lot of ignoring the situation or saying, "Oh well, the U.S. has their own issues. Germany doesn't have those issues." Mm-hmm. But there are cases of of police brutality against black people. There are cases of people being being um, killed. You know, black people being killed just because of the color of their skin in Germany as well. Um, yes, they're not as prevalent as in the U.S., but there are still cases like that. And racism doesn't have to just be police brutality. That's just one. That's just one one expression yeah. of racism.
2: Yeah,
1: you know, it's about how wh- what does diversity look like in workplaces? Yeah. you know, what does diversity look like in leadership yeah. positions, particularly? What does it look like in 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 schools and kindergartens and all those kind of things? So I think Germany's there are obviously there are people who are absolutely absolutely anti-racist and you know seeking to oppose racism in, in all its forms in Germany as well. Um, but it doesn't seem as obvious, I guess. Yeah. Um, as in the US, and and also as it is in the well, in the UK, from the government's perspective, the UK government um, has already been very um, um, Trump esque mm-hmm. in their response to protests in the UK, and um, um, because the UK has also, I'm not sure if you if you've weren't been aware of that, but the UK has also very much. There's been a lot of issues with statues of like war heroes being toppled or being defaced with graffiti because they are known to be racist. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: I've seen. Yeah, and so the government has been very um, against that, against the defacing of those statues, and against the defacing of that property, which in a way it's fair enough, but they haven't addressed, they haven't sought the balance to address actually the reason why there's so much anger. Yeah. The reason why, you know, they need to understand that colonial heroes on one side are colonial oppressors on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the people that you say liberated your country, raped, raped my, 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 my ancestors, you know, Um, we need to, we need to get to that understanding of just because they did good things doesn't necessarily make up for all the bad things that they did or said or thought or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's, there's a very, Europe is very, is, is waking up and it's not, I don't think it's just the UK and Germany because I know there's been protests in France as well um, and, and probably other European countries. Europe is waking up to having to challenge its colonial past because I think for too long they've hidden behind the, well, we didn't have the slave trade as much as America did and we don't have the issues that America has when it comes to racism against black people
0: yeah yeah
1: Um, yeah yeah.
0: that's good like that's good you know I I I think like you when you spoke of like the the beheading or defacing of like statues statues Mm. and different things um and we've seen um, the protests like just all over the world, like protesting all over the world, like that solidarity, and I think that's what made this a little bit different. Um, mm. like this new wave or this particular time, it's like because we've protested when uh Tamia Rice was murdered, yeah, and Trayvon Martin was murdered, when Eric Garner, Garner was murdered, when Sandra Bland, like we've protested before um and you know people which i think there's some truth to it like people have said that this pandemic of health pandemic has also made it possible for um the protests to be as large as they were um, mm. because so many people were home so yes you know before which is true like before like you had to choose whether you were going to go to work or in protest um, mm-hmm. and of course you, you had to go to work because you have your family exactly. you, have, you have that but this time people didn 't have to choose between their morals um, yeah. and like that financial burden. It was my their our morals were able to kind of like like uh push us <laughs> even beyond a health pandemic to be like, okay well mm-hmm. there's something else that's much deeper like it's more than yeah. just this the situation of um covid that's killing that's killing us um because it's like we often and I think even in the U.S., like, we do those classifications to keep ourselves or to make ourselves seem separate, but this is a community. So if there's yeah. like, an infection of racism, like, it's affecting everyone, whether or not, like, you, ref- you choose to see it. <laughs> um, yeah. It's a ripple effect. It's affecting the country itself in some way. And I think, like, this has been the time where it's, like, it's so clear um, the mm-hmm. effects that it's having as a whole and, you know, just within the world. It's, like, yeah, there's there's some unfair things like, you know, it might not be a blat- as blatant as you beat me up or killing me or different things like that. It might be, yeah. um, that you look, a, you look a little, like you looked a little, um, you looked at me differently. So you yeah. looked at me with a little bit more suspicion than you would anybody else simply because of mm-hmm. my color. Um, and you know, people are like, well, you know, that's not, that's racist. Um, And, you know, even within the U.S., it's like those conversations of like, you know, they're like, well, black people are racist, too, and Asian people are racist, too. And I'm like, no, we can't be racist if we're not classified as that group. It's like Uh, we can discriminate against each other. And of course we do. As black people, we discriminate against other black people. We discriminate against um, other races, other religions. Like, it's almost like a human thing. Like because we've made those things so prevalent and it's like that does happen. We do discriminate. Um, but there's like uh, like when it comes to racism, it's a systematic oppression. And yeah. because we don't have any power in I think now with voting, that's gonna change. But mm. like we don't have any any power within the system. So it's like yeah, you can't that's why we can't be racist because we literally don't hold any power to influence the life of another race or another culture. Um, and I think like right now is like, and I'm so happy, like, because like this has been the thing for me for years, like black people, stop spending your money with people who don't care about you, who discriminate against you. Like this, like that has been like my, um, <laughs> that has been like something At that least, like tears yeah. me up inside. Like if I walk into a store and you mistreat me and I know you're mistreating me because I am not spending my money. And I've seen it so many yeah. times where it's a bunch of us in those stores and like I've had it happen in a hair store and there's a bunch of us around and you see this thing happen and you see it happening to me and you're still gonna buy from this store. Like this mm. store needs like my thing is this store needs to be shut down. <laughs> Exactly, and I'm like nobody needs to buy from this store, like you know. And I'm finally, I'm, I'm so glad we're finally awakened to that. Like these businesses, I don't like. You cannot be openly racist because I'm like I, I don't think everybody, <laughs> you know, there are some businesses who are close-minded and they are racist and you just don't know. But yeah, you cannot be openly racist, and I'm going to give you your and get away with it. Money. Yeah. I refuse. I work too hard for my money. Yeah. You cannot have my money. So I'm so glad that we're finally like even just simple things like that, because all those things are triggers. All those things kind yeah. of matter. Um in 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 our in our call for respect and our call for integrity and in, like within the these businesses. Um because it's not that hard to treat us like literally the Bible Bible said, it, and I think you kind of like um you know, alluded to it, like, when we had a chat earlier that, you know, like, this, like, we're kingdom, and, like, we're all one people, so it's just, like, I, I just wish we could get to that point, it's, like, literally, Africa was the only place that existed, Mm. like, if you're white, and you're, like, I don't have any, if you do your DNA testing, you will see that you're black, <laughs> like, you, you, will see, you will see black in your DNA. Like some trace of black because that's where you came from. Like literally it is our positions around the world and where the sun will like all of those things are what like the environments in which we grew up in and all those things that have made us our skin color, which then became hereditary. Like it's yeah. it's not a <laughs> it's not a like it's not a thing. Like we came from the same place from the same people. That's it. variations of the same, the same color. That's it. <laughs> it's one color, one race, just very, yeah. Of it. <laughs> um, and you know, like I, t- like, I think this will be uh, my last question about this particular topic, but uh, like you mentioned reading a book called anti-racist.
1: Yeah. How to be an anti-racist. How to be
0: an anti-racist. So if you can just tell us like a little bit about that book and, and you know, like even your book club and like the what you're hoping to um accomplish through the
1: book club yeah so um like i said i think doing through this this um new wave of of kind of the civil rights movement triggered by the the death of george the the murder of george floyd um it was really heavy on my heart to kind of see okay what what do i need to do in this because i think over the years like you said we've heard so many names Yeah, and being in europe i've kind of ha- had a bit of a false sense of security of like this is heavy but mm. kind of you know it's only taking a day or two or maybe a week to get back to normal mm. for me whereas now i'm like no this we can't this can't, we can't go back to normal yeah this is not normal
2: yeah this is
1: not normal this is like we're ignoring the stench in the 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 room that is, that is, you know, in the basement room, just because it's not on the ground floor that I'm working in yeah. um, constantly doesn't mean that it's not something that needs to be addressed. And actually, it's, this, it's not just in the basement. The problem isn't just in America. The problem is everywhere. Yeah. You know, it is a, it is a human problem. Yeah. Um, it isn't, it isn't a one particular culture. Um, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's so, so I think for, for me, the challenge was, how, what do I need to do to understand more because again, when we hear about even when we when we are raised on black history in Europe, we hear about um african American history and we hear about the slave trade we don't really hear about african history yeah uh, you know and so so my challenge was kind of like for myself and my husband was, how can we do what what's right how can we do what lasts? We don't just want to be performative, we don't just want to you know join in the conversation because. You know, it's now trendy to join in into the conversation. Yeah, we actually want to understand and have conversations with others who also don't look like us. Yeah, how can we be anti-racist? Because and this is the whole concept of. Um, um. So this is something that that kind of speaks a little bit against what you were saying about actually we can't be racist if we are not white because um, Professor Kendi actually says there is no such thing as not racist. So you're either racist or you're anti-racist. And that's based on what you believe, what you do, what you think. You know, there's, he's very much like, there's a black and white. And he said, you know, he's, he's an African-American man. And he said, you know, I have been racist most of my life, not realizing it Mm. because for him, anti-racism is very much about the active oppression of racial injustice and the promotion of racial tolerance and racial equality. So when, so from his perspective, whenever we are not actively oppressing um, injustice and promoting justice, we are racist Mm. because we are feeding into that system. We're allowing that system to to continue to grow. There's no, there's no passive space in this. Yeah. Um, So he sees it very much as like, You know, we need to take the judgment out of the term racist, because I think a lot of white people don't like to be called racist because we've kind of made it um, 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 a swear word. Yeah. You know, Uh, whereas he's like, it's not a swear word. It's just a description of it's just a description of what you've been, how you've behaved, how you've thought, how you've um, seen and engaged with the world. Um, And actually, as black people, we need to check our racism as well and actually actively actively seek to be anti-racist um because that's the only way that we can challenge racism we can't just challenge it by being passive in it and hoping it doesn't continue we have to actively counter it um and so that's that's probably the the first major takeaway yeah and one of the like i said we we starting this book club is starting um this sunday actually um because we want to engage in conversations that are information-led not just um Emotion led, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Not just, um, of course, as Christians, everything we do should be spirit led anyway. Yes, but it's not, it's not just about religious conversations. Yeah, it's about it's about information. It's about understanding the root of the problem, and then being able to to discuss and 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 think about what are the what are the solutions. But until we all have a clear understanding of the problem and a clear definition of the problem we cannot work on solutions together. This is why, you know, you have churches that are, that feel like they they don't need to talk about it. Yeah. You know, and it's like, how? How can you not address racism? How is that possible? But that's because they have defined racism in a way that exempts them from doing something about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, they have, they have maybe, they've got a, a theology that is so focused on um The it's on eternity and the and the kingdom of heaven, even though it's here now, but they're so focused on what's to come that they might think to themselves, "Oh well, we don't really need to deal with these things because you know the the um this momentary light affliction will cause in us an eternal weight of glory." Yeah, and it's like you can't you can't use the scripture out of context like that. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. please stop. (laughs) Please stop. Please come and realize that Jesus came. To be a, a revolutionary, that Jesus came yeah. to challenge every system that oppressed people. Yeah. and I love what. So, so this is in almost chapter one, I think, of of Kennedy's book, where he talks about the fact that, you know, his parents were Christian, and um, they actually, in their faith, used their faith to, cut, to to be anti-racist, based on the fact that they believe the truth that Christianity is um, is uh, all, all revolves around. Um, liberation from oppression Mm, yeah Mm. so so again it's so so he's very clear on our definitions are probably one of the first things that we need to check yeah before we even tackle the 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 issues because if our definitions aren't right we will not find the right solutions to the to this problem of racism
0: yeah that's actually really good like i think like i'll definitely look for that book because i think like as you spoke on like you know his definition of racism it is a little bit different um, mm. than the racism where we might speak of or that I might speak of mm. um, which would kind of isolate certain like isolated to a certain race so mm. like I think you know like part of this podcast too is also educated so like I, I think like mm. I'll definitely look to pick up that book and like kind of see his perspective because um, I'm also about like trying to had the right mindset and the right perspective. Um, yeah, and, uh, absolutely. Like I think it's great what you're doing, and like you know, having those conversations because it is. Um, we're not we're not trying to isolate anyone, and and I think like um, it's not about isolation; it's about coming together. Because at the end yeah. of the day, like you know, for my my topics really are they're very black, <laughs> um, but. At the same time, it is uh this fight that we're do like having to fight right now um does not need to be just black. Um exactly. for it to be won. It has to be like something that goes beyond the lines of racist classes or um the classification of race, I should say, or the classification of yeah. um financial stability or you know, or gender. Like mm-hmm. it has to go beyond those things and be like a, co- like a collective voice. Um, yeah. and I think like, that's kind of like what this movement has been. It, it has mm-hmm. definitely been awakening, uh, of the American, African-American culture or the African-American yeah. people, um, because, and, and just in the way that we fight. So it's definitely been an awakening of that, like, and our power, but it also has been a collective effort of whites, uh, Asians, uh, gay, straight, like, bi, like, uh, uh, rich, poor, like, it's been a collective effort of just people in general, humans in general, um, that has made it kind of effective. Um, It's made it effective, so I think it is. It is important that we get on those same pages and um, it would be great <laughs> to be in a world where I, you know, I've said it before. I'm like, it's not gonna happen because we're so flawed. But um, in a world where all we see is just humans, um, yeah, that'd be great. But I do think we can get close to it, um, yeah, um, enough to where it, this, this right now is it's too big for it to stay the stay this particular way. Um, we yeah. can get closer to diversity. We can get closer to um, judging people based on, like like Martin Luther King said, based on the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Um, this is we it. can get closer to that. Um, yeah. So I think it's it's a powerful time. Um, and I've had the conversation with someone, I'm like, I, I hate it when they voted Trump into office. <laughs> and I still do. Don't get me wrong, I still hate it. Um, but when the bible says god turns everything around for our good um that's it i i think there was a god in this like because yeah. it's like if it had been any other president this up- uprising would not be the same i don't believe it um i don't because it's for the people and like i think like america and the structure of the government has been so flawed um because it's like you elect the officials and the officials are supposed to speak be- speak for the people, but mm-hmm. a overwhelming population of the people are against racism. But yeah. the government itself has has a overwhelming number of uh people representing people who are like like as you might say anti racist <laughs> mm-hmm. you you have an overwhelming population that, that dwells there, but the government is very racist. The people who yeah. are representing the anti-racist people are very racist. And and I think mm-hmm. like it has been a waking of like challenging like the people to say, okay, we put you there, do your work, mm-hmm. do your job, exactly. do what we tell you to do. Like you are not there to like for your own agenda which is what the government has been. It's mm-hmm. elected like, officials and they're there for their own agenda which oft- oftentimes is like financial gain exactly so it's it's definitely an awakening and i'm just like i just i see god um and i see i see god like really challenged just in this moment to like really what what kind of world do we want to live in and what are we willing to do about it um and i think the world is finally like we don't like the way the world is Mm -hmm. when it's fixed (laughs) Let's start fixing it. Let's start moving towards um a better future for everyone um, That's so it's it, it's been like it's been frustrating, but it's also been powerful <laughs> at the same time um yeah and like I do want to ask you to two to just take a a second to just um like speak to the twelve year old you so who like mm-hmm. the twelve year old you if she was to see Vanetta now. Like, what would she say to you? Like, what would be her reaction to who you are right now?
1: Wow. Um, that's a powerful, powerful question. I think the 12-year-old me would um, would say, well done for shaking off shyness. Mm. Um, because we all, always knew that it doesn't really fit our character. But um <laughs> It's something that I, yeah, I, I struggled with for a while, and only in my twenties was able to kind of get rid of yeah, um, kind of that shyness. Because I always knew I wasn't full a full introvert, yeah. but it, it was I just didn't know how to to own who I am. It's the self doubt, just you know, eating away at at, at at who I am and what I'm able to give to others. Um, and also growing up as 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 a, the the only black girl in my class, for example, trying so hard to fit in. Mm. I'm um, never really fitting in, yeah. so I think my 12 year old self would be very, very excited about the fact that I am much more confident in who I am, in what I do. She, she'd be very happy that I'm married yeah. <laughs> because that, that whole journey and story in itself. Yeah. Um, and I think she would, she would be proud of the fact that you know I've chosen to stick to going down a path that is about helping people and not, like you said. Um, necessarily looking at money and salary first
0: yes. um,
1: yeah 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 and I think also I think also um, I think the final thing is my 12 year old self will be really happy that I'm learning to have moments of joy and childlikeness in my adult life because I I was a very there's a lot of responsibilities I had when I was younger so I I feel like I missed out um, a lot of my childhood mm. which now I feel like the Lord has helped me kind of reclaim, restore, relive in the adult way. So that's, that's been amazing. That's awesome. Awesome.
0: So the last thing I have for you, can you share with us your favorite Bible scripture? And then if you don't mind, cause I want to hear it. I know someone else who, uh, who's German at my church now, but, yeah. um, Can you say your favorite Bible scripture in English and can you do it in German for us?
1: Wow. Yes. (laughs) I'm going to have to find a translation in German because I've I've done it in English for so long, but um, that's not a problem. So my favorite scripture is Ephesians 3.10, which says um, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places um and the reason why that's my favorite scripture is because it just talks about how we as the church are supposed to show off god show off the glory of god show off the wisdom of god and we can only do that when we are living in the fullness of who we are yeah um so yeah that's that's um that's good my favorite scripture uh and now let's find the german version of it one moment yes i just like I think that would be
0: exciting. That was a good scripture. Um, Thank you. So I'm like, I've heard um, my church, uh, uh, my church sister, like, I think she recited, uh, was it Psalms 23? And like, I thought just the amazing thing about language was I knew she was reciting (laughs) Psalms 23. Like, I didn't know what she was saying, but I knew she was reciting it just based on like, I don't know, like, the flow of the words. I don't know what it was. But I, when yeah. I asked her, like, later, she was like, yes, it was. I said, oh, my yeah. gosh. Like, you know, just even the, the cross of, like, language and our ability to yeah. understand even if we don't understand.
1: <laughs> exactly. This is it. <laughs> Spiritual connection as well. Yeah. In that.
0: Awesome.
1: Okay. So, the German version. So, it's Epheser 3, verse 10. And it's damit jetzt in den Fürstentürmern und Gewalten in den himmlischen Regionen durch die Gemeinde die mannigfaltige Weisheit Gottes bekannt gemacht werde.
0: Alright, amen, amen.
1: Quite a tongue twister.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much, Vanessa, for you know just sharing your heart um, and just telling us more about you. Um, we'll make sure that we put your email and or uh, well, your website, uh, your, your social yes, media handle. So we're going to make sure that um, everyone that's listening has those information just in case they want to reach out to you um, and definitely get your book. Um, Cause thank I think that's so good much. information. Do you do counseling? Like uh, I, I think now everything is pretty much digital. So uh,
1: yeah,
0: it doesn't matter where people are, they can get like counseling,
1: right? Yes, absolutely. So I do counseling, specializing in, Trauma, anxiety, depression. When I talk about trauma, I also talk about racial trauma. But I also work with sexual trauma survivors, um, and then I also do, like I said, life and career coaching.
0: Okay, so um, yep. So we'll make sure that we put all your information in, so people can reach out to you and just, you know, hear more from you um, and get some get some help in whatever area that they need. Um, absolutely. At the very least, I think um, this episode should have given us all some strength (laughs) Um, and just some things to think about, like, you know, because I know it's given me some things to like think about or, you know, some homework to do, um, especially as you spoke on that book. Um, Yeah. You know, I I think like that's a great thing that you're doing with the book club. And I don't know if that's something that's online. So if you will get all that information from you and I'll make sure that. I put all of that in the show notes and make it available for anyone who wants to be a part of the
1: conversation. Brilliant! Thank you so much for this opportunity, Kadeen. It's been a brilliant conversation. Thank you so um, much yeah, being here.
0: Thank you so much, and thank you for your time. Uh-
1: thank you for joining uh, me,
0: well, Vanetta and I, for this week's episode of Faith in In with Kay. I hope that conversation inspires, and encourage, in- encourages, and challenges you. Because um, I know it's done all those things for me. It's challenged me in my definition of, or in how I define racism, or how typically racism is defined and who, um, who it belongs to. Because um, it's always been known or seen as this possessive verb that could, or possessive thing that could only be um, attributed to someone who's white. So I appreciated her. Um, sharing her knowledge on that, and then also challenging me in that area. So I hope, you know, this conversation was good for you, too. Um, I want to just uh, reiterate the scripture that she shared with us in English and German, which was Ephesians 3, verse 10, um, which says, and this is the King James Version, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of god and in this paul is writing and uh at this point he's a prisoner but he's writing pretty much about how the gospel and how christ also belongs to the gentiles and how we are all kind of one and adopted into this family so i think it's so fitting for the time that we're in where we're so segregated and separated by color gender um Religion—it's um, just so many economics. It's so many classes that we're we've all been separated, um, separated into, and then that we subscribe to. Um, so I thought this scripture was really, really good for this time like this because um, God truly just sees us all as one, um, and in just scriptures, just letting us know that we have that ability, um, because He's created all of us. We have that ability to have to know the wisdom of God um, and to walk into that walk in that wisdom and walk in that love and walk in that purpose so I thank Vanetta for sharing that scripture with us I thank her for sharing her time with us I I hope like I said that this conversation was good to you Um, I will make sure that all her information is in the show notes so you can connect with her um, so she can continue to share her wisdom with you Um, And as always, you can connect with me uh, via my personal page or via the podcast personal page. And please just continue to uh, rate us wherever you listen, subscribe wherever you listen, leave comments wherever you listen. Um, That's important. (laughs) So please continue to do those things, send feedback. Um, I appreciate all the text messages um, that I do get or messages that I do get. Um, but please also um, leave that information wherever you listen. Um, as far as ratings, so I thank you again for joining, for joining me for this week's episode of Faith Knit with Kay. See ya. <laughs>